What's up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father of five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 17, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 20th year of marriage. So, yep, I'm in the thick of it, and I am working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. This episode is brought to you by The Adventure of Fatherhood, helping men discover their powerful fatherhood role and build their fatherhood skills. The role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, find joy and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my new friend, Frank Prather, and we had an incredible conversation. Some things that he said that really stuck out to me is defying the labels of fatherhood. That fatherhood is a privilege, it's an opportunity, and as human beings, it is our greatest purpose. Enjoy meeting my new friend, Frank. All right, Frank, welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. It's good to meet you. How are you today? I'm good, Ned. Great to be here. Yeah, man. So I don't know how I found it, but I either somebody sent it to me or I just saw you on Instagram speaking life into your son on his birthday and you were brought to tears. And I'm like, I love this guy. I would love to meet him and talk fatherhood. So tell me a little bit about that thing you do on your son's birthday and then what it is that brought you to tears. So every year I sit him down on his birthday and I just tell him all the things that I love about him and how proud I am of him. Now, to be fair, I do that all the time, but I try to make it intentional on his birthday and I record it because I record a lot of what we do and the beauty of having cell phone technology and things like that these days because one day I'll hand it over to him like my parents and grandparents handed me boxes of old pictures as life went on. And I loved it. I, you know, I love through it. I still get those packages. So I'm like, this is going to be something for him to have for the rest of his life. So he loves social media with me, you know, a lot. I mean, 99% of my Instagram is my son or my son and I. So I always ask him, can I post this? And he's like, yeah, of course. He understands that what we're sharing could resonate with people. Like he's, you know, savvy enough to know that. And I like that too. And I'm proud of the dad that I am. I'm inspired by a lot of the dads that I see that I don't know, but also ones that I know in person that do similar things or other things that just resonate with me. So I posted it and it went viral. I think we're at close to 900,000 views or something now. Wow. And I, I was shocked at the outpouring of people and touched. But listen, from day one with my son, every parent who loves being a parent knows that when you're particularly your first child, probably all your children, I only have one side, so that's my frame of reference, was born, everything changes for you. And you look at the world through a different lens. And I was always sort of the man, you can't get to me like nothing. I'm not I mean, I've dated plenty of people that'd be like, he's an emotionless robot, right? (laughs) You know, I wasn't always known for being the heartwarming guy that I am now. And I mean, that kid could look at me a certain way. And I mean, just weeping openly and without shame and loving it. And we will regularly both have conversations where we just start talking to each other about how much we love one another. Mm. Let's start crying. 
And I love that. Yeah, I actually, that's sweet. It, it's something I wear sort of as a badge of honor. And, you know, I'm all like, I'm the dad that loves my son so much. I cry like a little baby. I don't know what kind of parent you are, but you know what I mean? And also it's, I think for me growing up in a generation where parents and grandparents didn't show a lot of emotion and affection between father and son was a lot more, hey buddy, you know, to show my son that part of being a strong, tough, badass guy is not being scared of your emotions and not being scared to show love to the people that you love. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you got that from your own dad? No, my dad's great. And he definitely, I think when I was a little kid was reasonably affectionate and reasonably open and always said, I love you. But there was still, I think that was filtered through even previous generations of like, that shit's not manly. Mm hmm. And so I think he evolved a little bit. And then I took what I got from that and I tried to increase it exponentially with my son because, again, I, I was almost worried that I would not do it. Mm. I leaned so hard into it that, again, now I'm a weepy little bitch sometimes. <laughs> and, and I love it. Yeah, man, that's beautiful. I love that. I love seeing that because I feel that way. Like I feel this depth sometimes that comes over me, especially lately. My oldest is 17. She's a senior in high school. And there's been these moments where it hits me. Like she showed me on the phone. We went on a date the other night and she showed me on her phone. She's like, oh, here's my countdown, 270 days till I graduate. And I'm like, damn, dude, 270 days right? Like every day, I mean, now we're at 267 or whatever. It's happening. There's an actual countdown that feels real. And so I totally was like brought to tears when she showed this to me of just us having this connection. And I think that when a dad can tap into that, then the words you use, which is like what I want to live by is then it's like, there's intention behind this. I want to be intentional with the time that I have. And there's this understanding that there's more to all of this than just providing and protecting. Absolutely. And I waited till much later in life. I just turned 53 and my Dang son's nice. Eight. So, yeah. I mean, he was born when I was 45 and I waited a really long time intentionally. I mean, there's a good portion of my life where I'm like, I'm never going to have kids. I just want to worry about me. And then I fortunately got to a point where I went, oh, I had to tell myself that to live for myself for a long time to get that out of my system. So then I could evolve to the person that very quickly went, no, I actually want nothing more than to be a dad. And I can make this decision to do it now and know that that will be my number one priority. People say it as a joke, like about their kid or whatever their age is. And I'm like, my best friend is legitimately an eight-year-old. And my entire social life is that eight-year-old. And I am quite happy that way. I don't golf on the weekends. I don't take boys trips. I don't do any of that. I, I, let me rephrase that. I do take boys trips with me and my eight-year-old. <laughs> we do it all the time. But my free time is set aside for my family. A lot of that is dedicated specifically to him. And I'm fortunate to have waited until I was mature enough to be able to look at fatherhood in that way where it's like, this is the best part of my life. And I've had a pretty great life up to that point. Yeah, that's beautiful. So far exceeds that. And it's all I really want to do. And I know it doesn't last forever, right? Every day just 
per year countdown is the day closer to when they become more independent till they become adults. And you'd like to think that you will always have a nice close relationship with them, but it will evolve and it will change. And the time available to you as the parent will not remain the same. I'm getting every minute of it that I can for every year that I can, and just literally trying to absorb that into the core of my being because it's so awesome. I never look at my son and don't go, but this is the best thing ever. The best thing ever. I mean, look, he's a great kid. He's fantastic. He's also a kid. He's an eight-year-old. He can be a huge pain in my ass and he can get on my nerves and all of those things, but I'm never like, I need a break. You know, I blow off my steam. I go, go in your room. And then 20 minutes later, I go in and I'm like, all right, let's go back. Let's go back to where let's reconnect. That's good, man. So usually when I start off podcast, I'll ask some questions and get to know you a little bit. You answered one of the questions. And so I'm just going to lean into one of the questions I ask is how old do you find yourself today? Now you said that you're actually 53 years old. You look fantastic. You've clearly put effort and energy into being physically fit. So talk to me a little bit about that. Just a couple minutes, like you're 53, but you've put intention around being, I mean, young spirited father. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, listen, I'm proud of the fact that I'm 53. And again, I'm a fitness guy. I'm a lifelong exercise. I was a bodybuilder when I was younger. I've maintained a lot of that lifestyle without trying to maintain the huge size. I now own a gym where I train groups and individuals. The hair retention game, props to you. That helps keep you looking younger. (laughs) I'm like, listen, as long as I can hold on to my hair and look like I can squeeze into these extra medium shirts, people are going to be like, oh, So yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with this past weekend for me, like I spent Saturday riding go-karts. That's what we did. And that keeps you youthful also, right? And now because I'm an older dad, I have to constantly be cognizant of my health and my longevity because I got an eight-year-old that wants to play soccer. He wants to wrestle. He wants to continue to do those things. And I'm trying to inspire him and model for him health and fitness and athletics. I got to maintain that. But he also just helps me maintain that youthful mindset. We just inexplicably went to Costco on Sunday and I bought a full-size Pac-Man machine. Nice. Because because I hate money. (laughs) So we've been playing Pac-Man and Galaga in the living room. We set it up in the corner, like just trying to relive my own childhood sometimes. That's so fun. Yeah, finding ways to connect and not be the dad on the sidelines. Now the fitness, like you said, it kind of moved from the bodybuilder physique to, okay, longevity. I want to be able to not just watch my kid play soccer. I want to get out there and play soccer. And I love the words you use. You said inspire and model. And so those two words are huge because we can say everything we want to say to our kids. But if we're not living that as well, like those words are not as meaningful. So when your kid sees you, inspiring and modeling them through your own choices. I mean, that's where we're setting our kids up for success. So love that. And you kind of alluded to it already, but what do you do for a living to provide for the family? Yeah. So right up until the beginning of this year, I worked in entertainment for 15 years. I was a reality TV casting director and development exec. I did that for about 10 years. And then I moved into live entertainment and was producing shows for a company that does, this was just fortuitous, the company that bought the TV company I was working for 
was really into family entertainment. So stuff like Power Rangers Live, Angry Birds Live, the Dr. Seuss Experience. In fact, I was just in Hawaii a year ago, August, for the search for Snoopy, a Peanuts experience, which was at the Alamoana Mall. I did that for the longest time, but I really missed my passion. All through my 20s, I was a personal trainer. I really enjoyed the personal training business at that age because I had a ton of freedom. But I was too young and immature to appreciate the impact I was having on people's lives. I had always wanted to move back in that direction, but I wanted to be able to do it more at scale. So not just training people one-on-one, but also having classes and things like that. My wife, who has her own business, which is very successful, and she loves it. She never feels like she's going to work. She finally said, listen, you've been the primary breadwinner for a long time, but now my business has afforded us the opportunity for you to make the transition. And so she inspired, she's like, I want you to come home every day and feel the same way I feel. That's awesome. Not what you do. So I opened this boot camp facility, Sunhouse Fitness. Dig it. And we do, again, group classes and personal training. I seem to have dipped deeply into the mom market primarily because, you know, it's go with who you know at first. And so a lot of the parents and moms from my son's school. But I also really like to help people who either are new to fitness or haven't been involved in fitness in a long time because they're really hungry to transform their lives, I can make the biggest impact, right? Like I've trained athletes in my 20s. I was fortunate enough to work with some NBA athletes and college athletes and a lot of strength athletes while also having my regular clients. But I have much less interest in that now. Like if I can take somebody in their 40s who's like, hey, I need to be fit for my kids. And when they're in college, I want to be able to go out and throw the football around and not be out of breath. I'm like, I can make that happen. Yes. So, so now the fitness business, man, that's awesome. And then how do you incorporate your son in that? What does it look like to encourage him? I mean, it's like tough. My kids are running around so much, but my kids are all into fitness right now, which is great, whether it's fighting or CrossFit or soccer, volleyball, all of it. How do you take that passion of yours and encourage your son in that? Or is he interested in it on his own? So a little of both. Prior to opening this, I worked out in my garage for the past seven years. I bought all the equipment that I needed, racks and kettlebells and dumbbells and Olympic sets. And from birth, he has watched me exercise. And when they're really little, I want to do that. I want to do that. And then as they get a little older, sometimes they're not as excited, but I would encourage him to just do push-ups with me or just do some squats with me. And now I have a kid's class at the gym. I do a weekly kid's class. We took off the summer. We're starting it back. And my goal there is to teach kids that fitness for fitness sake is fun. And you probably know, I know you're a fitness family. I've seen your posts. I know you're a workout guy and your wife's into working out too. And what happens is we get our kids in sports, hopefully, and they're active. And by default, then they become fit because they're active. But most kids outgrow sports. You know, fingers crossed, you get lucky and they stick with it and they're doing their soccer or jujitsu or whatever it is that they love and they stick with it for life. But often that drifts away. And then where are they? Fitness is not an integral part of their lifestyle necessarily, unless they love the benefits and have found exercise to be fun. So I put kids through hard workouts. 
but they're fun. It's a lot of functional stuff. We're doing slam balls and battle ropes. The stuff kids are like, this is awesome. And then in between, I'm like, let me just show you some stuff with weights for strength training because it's a little monotonous. But it's the same for children as an adult. And I guarantee you've had this experience where at least one of your kids has gone, look, daddy, look, I have a muscle. And you're like, that's it. That's the hook. You can be better at sports. You can be strong. You can be fit. Because saying to a kid, you can be healthy when all they want to do is go to the drive through at McDonald's. Not really. It doesn't really resonate that well. So I think if you just make it fun and you model it and listen, I walk around and going, hey, dude, I'm the oldest dad of all your friends. But look at me. <laughs> I'm the fittest. And he's like, fair enough, you know. And so he likes it. And you have to moderate how much they're doing it right with little kids. Let's do a few twice a week. I'll challenge him. I'll be at the gym working out and he'll be there doing his homework or on his iPad if he's earned that time. And I'll say, hey, you want to earn 20 extra minutes? And he'll go, he'll look at me. He literally does this. Burpees. I'm like, yeah, bud, burpees. He's like, how many do I have to do for 20 minutes? And you know, they're kids. They have a ton of energy. I'll go 50. He's like, all right, deal. That's awesome. So it's, it's that. I just, I try to make it like exciting and fun. And then I try to, Count every win as a big deal. Dude, you did 50 burpees. You know how many kids wish they could do 50 burpees? Oh my gosh. You wish they could do 50 yeah. burpees? It's so powerful. I think since you have the access to the gym is doing those kids classes, having them do it with their friends and create that connection. Because I think some of the things that my kids are starting to understand, my twins, especially at age, they're 14. Uh, my daughter just said this to me the other day. She had not gone across with me a couple of times. And then she went and as we're driving home, she said, I feel so much better and she's talking about mentally. She's like, my outlook is so much better after I work out. And so starting to get that unlocking of, you know, because I forget who said it, but I heard somebody say in the last year, like, if you're depressed, go work out for a week and then come back to me and tell me if you're still depressed. Not that we're discrediting like people who have like depression and things, but if you're not out moving your body, getting those endorphins going, it, it's going to make such an impact. And I really like to see that opening up for my kids, that understanding of doing something physical makes me feel different. I mean, listen, a very, very wise observation about herself for your daughter to realize that because I think most younger people don't. I mean, and I, when I say younger, I don't just mean kids or teenagers. I mean, even young adults, you do it and you feel you're just happy to look better half the time. But the mental benefits and the emotional benefits from it when I was in my 20s, one of my first personal training clients was a prominent psychiatrist who was a professor at GW. And he was one of my biggest source of referrals. You know, I always said, hey, doc, thanks for referring me so many people. Like, this is great. And he's like, well, while I really like you, I'm doing it for them. Because most of them suffer from depression or stress-related illness or whatever. And the first thing I prescribe is exercise. And if I don't think they're willing to do it on their own, that's when I want them to turn to you because I know you will get them to enjoy it. And once they do it, the problems that they're having are going to diminish considerably. They might not, it might not cure everyone, but there are some people at will, but others where they will start moving in the right direction just from the physical activity. Yeah, man, that's so powerful. And dads, as you're listening to this, I mean, if you haven't created some sort of routine around fitness, you don't have to be the buffest dad on the block. But for your mental health and for the way you show up for your family, having some routine 
to move your body is critical. And so with that in mind, like as a personal trainer, Frank, what would you recommend for the dad who's just kind of not doing anything? Like what would you say for him to start out doing? Listen, if you're not doing anything, you probably, my guess would be that you're challenged with motivation because we're all filled with the reasons that we're not doing anything. In which case, I am a firm believer in going somewhere and getting assistance. Listen, we can all say we're going to do push-ups and squats at home, but if you're not a fitness person, the chances are you're probably not going to do that. If you are, just YouTube bodyweight workout and do that three times a week. But if you find that you are not able to motivate, I do recommend if you can afford it, find yourself a trainer to get you started. You don't have to do it forever. And if you can't afford a trainer, what you probably can invest in, and again, I'm not selling my business to your viewers, I'm local, unless they live in Wilmington, North Carolina, I'm useless to them. But go to somewhere like a boot camp facility where you're paying for coaching with someone that can help you get started. And listen, you don't have to do it three hours a day, six days a week. That's a fallacy. If you work out hard for 45 minutes twice a week and then stay active on your other days, you're going to change everything about mm. your physiology and your psychology. I, wow. I guarantee it. And that's why when people come to me, oh, how many times a week do I have to do it? I'm like, just come twice a week. They're like, that's it? I'm like, yeah, twice a week to classes or whatever. I'm like, I'm gonna give you other stuff to do at home, but it's gonna be light. Invariably, what you will find is that you will feel better, you will look better, you will sleep better. Emotionally, you will resolve issues with stress better. Everything is going to change and it's going to start to change in a matter of weeks. This isn't something you have to get a year for. Listen, if you're completely out of shape or you have a lot of weight to lose, your timeline is going to be longer to solve some of those problems, but it's not going to be as long as you think it is. That's the other thing. People think it's like, it's so daunting to get in shape. It is if you're not doing anything. Everything is thing when you're not doing it. But once you do it and you get into it, and trust me, the results that you get for yourself very quickly are going to inspire you, and then they're going to motivate you. And that's when things double down. Like It's a little bit easier to eat a little bit healthier when you're seeing results from the exercise. For sure. No, I love that. And what's a lot of times if we're two fitness guys, we'll talk about fitness. So it's easy for us to talk. But it just recently, I've heard two guys, one guy was like, man, I really want to go to the gym, but so intimidated by going. And so it's like, dude, that's a great reason to hire a personal trainer, just to get yourself acclimated and understand the equipment and what you're doing. And then the other thing is, is I heard a guy say, Oh, man, I can do this on my own. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And it's been like a month and he hasn't done anything. And when people ask, cause I had this goal when I turned 40 to like, look my best. And I just turned 40 a couple months ago, but I've told people 50% was the community, the accountability to it. 40% was food and 10% was working out for Ned. But the point was just that community and accountability is huge. If you want to step into that. Absolutely. And it's one of the reasons I do like the group classes mm -hmm. is because when I have personal training clients, obviously, I'm holding them accountable. And I hope I make the workouts fun. My clients seem to like me, reasonably decent dude, and I make them laugh while I'm torturing them and try to make it something that they want to continue to do. But the beauty of the group classes is just like you said, you build that camaraderie, you find not only a community of like-minded people, but also other people that inspire you and inspire you in surprising ways. It's easy to say, I'm inspired by... Joe Sixpack, who's 40 years old and super shredded on TikTok because he's been mainlining TRT 
you know, <laughs> into his eyeballs for six months and acts like he did it by drinking protein shakes and taking his vitamins. But when you go in and you see somebody who's got 70 pounds to lose and they go hard in class, that's the person that gets me, mm -hmm. right? Oh, no. The already super fit person, yeah, I, I can look at them and aesthetically, I can appreciate it and I appreciate what they've accomplished and there's some inspiration behind that. But give me somebody who's at the bottom of the hill, pushing that boulder up the hill and just looking at it it's like, powerful. nothing can stop me. That's what moves me. And when you get into those situations, you'll see all of those people and those people will be there and they will see you and you'll want to show up. You'll make friends. You'll have training partners. And again, you said it. It makes you feel like I have found my people comes to this aspect of my life. And if I don't show up, it's not just one person that's going to notice the trainer or the coach. There's a whole group of people. Yeah, you have a community now. I'll be on group texts from some of my members who will text another member, where were you? And I'm like, I don't even have to do anything. Yeah, I don't have to say anything. Yes. Oh, so good. All right, dads, if you're sitting around wanting to be fit for your family, just wait no more. Take action on that. So jumping back into some fatherhood questions, I want to ask this question. You know, you became a father at 45. You clearly, well, I would assume had started to think towards that plan towards that from what you had said before. At what point did you embrace fatherhood? Was it, hey, I so badly want to have a kid, let's have a kid? Or was it, you're pregnant and I'm excited? Or we just, he's born and now I'm, in, like, at what point did you embrace it? And to now you go, dude, this little eight-year-old's my best friend. So at what point did you embrace it? I embraced it hard when we made the decision, when my wife and I made the decision. And at That's the time, epic. we were going to get married. And I said, let's take away the barrier to that, to the pregnancy. So she stopped her birth control. And I was like, because it could take a while. I'm older. You never know. Like my guys might be weak swimmers like I am. But no. <laughs> so she was pregnant really quick. So she's at our wedding. She's got a little baby bump, which was no secret. We announced we didn't care. But from the moment we decided, I just was like, I can't wait. And this is going to be That's so great. epic. There was nothing that could prepare me for how good it really was. There was nothing. I mean... So good that I was going to my friends, couples who had said, well, we'll probably not have kids. I'm like, you must have children. What was the thing that triggered you to go like, this is epic? I mean, from the moment little dude is born or what was it that just unlocked this thing inside of you that got you so pumped? I, it, it felt like a roller coaster going up the first hill when I found out my wife was pregnant right up until we hit the peak and then he was born. And then after that, the high speed drop into fatherhood was just like every moment I was fortunate enough to be able to stay home for the first few months that he was there. I mean, I would just sit and, and stare at him every minute. I mean, there were times where my wife's like, can I hold the baby? And I was like, oh, he's away from my baby. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, so I don't, I don't know. It just overtook me in a way that while I was super excited and very dedicated both intellectually and emotionally to the idea of being a dad. I just never knew the love I felt the minute I saw mm. him born. I was like, I, I don't know what this experience could compare to. Like, there's just nothing that is even remotely close. And I was it's always beautiful. worried because I felt like I had seen parents that, and this is, I, it's a weird way to say it, sort of get used to having kids. Yeah. Like I have, yeah, kids are great. I love my kids a, a lot, but this isn't to be disparaging. It's, it's just a difference in my experience. 
oh, I can't wait to go back to work and sort of be this person again. And I need to be this independent adult. I'm eight years in and I don't want to be anything more than I just want to be that kid's dad every minute. That will get me weepy again if I'm not careful. So let me ask you this question, Frank. I think many of us struggle with identity, right? It's just part of how we're born. Part of our creation is this longing of wanting to be connected and wanting to belong. And a lot of us tie it to, I'm a fitness guy, or I work in the entertainment industry. Do you think that it was your age of 45 having a kid? Or do you think that it was something else that you didn't tie your identity or the value that you felt as a man to what you did out in the workforce? Because I think a lot of us struggle with that. That's why we maybe aren't as vulnerable with stepping into the fatherhood piece, because we're still maybe performance-based or telling us this lie that what we do out in the world is like so important. So I'm kind of rambling, but what do you think about that? No, I, I think you're right. Look, I think everybody does. A lot of adults do, but especially men. We do attach ourselves to our titles or, listen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I never thought I was going to work in TV. I ended up sort of falling into it accidentally. Then it was sexy, right? My friends in Maryland were like, you work in television and you're a caster. And of course, everybody wants to be on TV. And when you're a reality TV casting director, everyone thinks you're the shit like, oh, you're so cool. And can you put me on TV? You know what I mean? And you get this sort of false sense of importance. I took it with a grain of salt because I always kind of knew like this is not really that meaningful. But nothing hit me powerfully that this is my purpose in life until I became a dad. And I'm like, this, this, is, this is a human being. This, this is meaningful. It boggles my mind when I meet someone and they're telling me about themselves and they don't lead with the fact that they're a parent. I'm like, I'm sorry, bury the lead. That's the only important thing to me. <laughs> oh, I love what yes. you do. Great. You surf, fucking fantastic. You're the biggest real estate salesman in the history of mankind. Good job. You own your own business. I love all that. I love it. Love your life, love who you are, love the things you do. But to love any of it, even remotely close to the amount that you love being a parent seems preposterous to me. Like, why would you have kids if that was going to be your feeling? As much as I've always prided myself on taking care of my family and being the provider, and I've done that. Again, my wife's business has taken off right now. If I hadn't started the gym, which I love because I'm also showing my son that it's important to be able to help other people. That's job. I'd have no problem being a stay-at-home dad. There's no part of my ego that would be like, you're less of a man. I'd be like, I know just enough jujitsu maybe to choke you out for saying that, but (laughs) also less of a man than giving a child the best life ever and being a living, present parent. Hmm. Tell me what's more of a man. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's it to me. As soon as I see that in anybody, that's why when people like you, I see just like revolving so much of what you do around your parenting experience. I'm like, as soon as I got the emails, like, hell yeah, I'm in. I looked up Ned. I'm like, yep, that's one of my guys. That's it, it right Dude, and there's a lot of us out there. And that's kind of the point of the fatherhood field notes is to celebrate that and give guys that permission to walk in and not be like, oh yeah, I, whatever, I am my car, I am my job, but dude, I'm a dad and I love it. And what I find is when I meet business people now, if I'm at a networking thing, I'll lean into the fatherhood piece. I'll be like, hey, what's your, biggest win with your kid this week? Or what's your favorite tradition with your kid? And all of a sudden, once they move past the awkwardness of what I'm asking, they're way more into that conversation than whatever BS, sports, politics, whatever we might have found ourselves talking about. And there's a deeper connection because it matters. But dude, I love what you said is this is my purpose. 
And dads, as you're hearing this, like the world's telling us, do what makes you happy. We're so focused on our job. I sell insurance. It is like the lamest thing I could think to do with my time is to sell insurance. So what I've learned to do is maximize my time and not spend 40 hours a week doing it so that I can spend more time with my kids versus I'm a professional marketing, whatever, whatever I might think, whatever Ned thinks is sexy. And now I spend 70, 80 hours a week pissing away something that isn't really my core purpose, which is to be a father. And what I love is you said, you're raising a human being. Like how often do we really think, whoa, that shit's heavy. A human being has been placed in my care. That's pretty, that's pretty wild. The gravity of it is so immense. The fact that people take it for granted, again, is insane to me because, listen, there's two parts to me of of being a father. One part is my experience where I get to love this human being Uh, that I created and that has so much more importance to me than anything else. There's that. But also that every word I say and every action I take and everything I do with him or in his presence or because of him or that he's going to learn from is going to affect his life yeah yeah every single day forever and i didn't always have the most optimal circumstances as a child and i fortunately was just one of those lucky people that through no wisdom or anything of my own was like think i'm going to do the opposite of a lot of these things now i didn't do that till later on i did a lot of the things when i was younger And then I woke up one day and was like, oh, but if I want to be a parent, now I have to flip that and do the exact opposite. But hopefully I'm teaching him. You know, my son has said before, I can't, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a dad like you. Mm, Dude, what is more powerful than that? If there's a bigger compliment and a more powerful statement that a person could make to you, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude. So good. So I want to lean into this. I want dudes to think about this. So you started talking at the beginning of this little section and there's your experience, right? So like Frank's a dad, this is Frank's experience of this. But then you also are thinking about my son is having an experience like, and I'm playing a major role in his experience, which is really shaping his life to the point of like, I want to be like you. So dads, if we could lean into not just focusing on what's my experience, but pause and go, what is my daughter thinking about when she's falling asleep tonight? What was her day like? How did I influence that in a positive or negative way? And realizing the opportunity we have to really speak into our kids, both with the way we see them, the way we speak to them, the way we think about them. I just love that piece on experience. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. No, listen, I've been good at a number of things in life. And there's things that I wanted to be good at that I was good at. There's things that I wanted to be good at that I was terrible at. (laughs) And a few areas where I've excelled. But it never mattered to me until I became a father to be great at something and be consistently great from the first day till I'm not around anymore. That's it. And I try to let no day go by where I am not consciously being present and trying to be like, what can I do to make this kid's life the best that it can be from a fatherhood perspective? Yes. Not just, I bought you a Pac-Man, which I did, which was not. (laughs) (laughs) But you did it. You did it to connect. And I think that's the difference. It's not like, here's some shit for you to leave me alone so I can go do what I want to do. It's what can we do to engage in a deeper relationship? 
That's exactly right. And that's a much more eloquent way to put it, which is, you know, I certainly, and obviously there's a father podcast, I'm talking a lot about my experience as a father, but his mom is the very same way. And so we're trying to make that, although she is also younger and more excited about working than I am. So I do get a little more time with him. But that's the situation that we've worked out to sort of make our life balance as close to perfect as we can get it. Yeah, that's beautiful. So I'm going to ask a couple last questions. And one of the questions is the podcast is Fatherhood Field Notes. You've opened up your field notes, sharing your life with us. The mantra is rebel and create. And this came to me in 2015, this kind of mantra for my own life. Like I want to rebel against the status quo of what it means to be a dad because the expectations are pretty low and create this epic life with my family. So this rebel and create could go all the way down to like, I rebel against being on my cell phone at the dinner table so that I can create connection with my family. What's something in this season of life that you're rebelling against? And then what do you hope to create out of that rebellion? Wow, it is a big question. All questions are big questions for me because I clearly like the sound of my own voice. And (laughs) (laughs) honestly, I think when it comes to fatherhood, I've tried to rebel against, I think, the two opposite ends of the spectrum as far as stereotypes. You either have to be like the tough, I'm a manly man dad, or you have to be sort of the hippy dippy, I'm just the dad that gives hugs. And so it's either like you're super hard or you're super soft. I think for me to go, I'm both of those things, not neither. I'm both. I love it. I think I'm tough. I think I'm a total badass. And I am also the most emotionally open dad that I know. I'll go out there and again, roll around and get choked out by dudes half my age, doing terrible, terrible jujitsu. I like to get into the thick of things. I like to think that I have high tolerance for discomfort and pain, but not when my son says something sweet, then I'm a weepy little, (laughs) you know, little child. And so I think rebelling against the fact that you have to have a label of this thing or Mm -hmm. that as we talked about with careers, as a dad, in a weird way, you can't be all things to all people, but you can be all things as a dad. Mm, mm, I love that. I think it's so important to teach our sons to be both. And that's really as a man, it's like you want to be in tune with yourself and you want to be in tune with those around you and that ability to lean into the uncomfortable toughness or the uncomfortable vulnerability. There isn't like a roadmap or a exact plan on how to show up as a dad, you have to know the situation and then take a leap into, does this situation require me to show up as tough or does this require me to show up as emotionally engaged? I think that's really critical. And our boys are longing for that right now because a lot of what they're seeing is just one or the other. And that's my point exactly. Personally, I never wanted to be one dimensional. I didn't want to be labeled as quote unquote, this type of if I do air quotes again, just end the podcast. (laughs) And this podcast is driving me crazy every time I raise my fingers. But I never wanted to be labeled as, oh, you're just the sweetest dad or you're the tough tattooed dad or whatever. I wanted to defy labels when it came to being a father. But what I want, even from the outside, but more importantly, for my son to look and go, I'm not sure what you could do better. Mm. And that goal is to across the board. And I fail at every endeavor in life. You fail no matter how hard you're trying. But I succeed more often than I fail. And that's my goal. 
Yeah. And I think that's really the point, right? Like when you say, because we all know as humans that we're going to be let down. We all know that we're going to be disappointed. I mean, we figure that out, right? It sucks when your kids start to realize that between the ages of like six to 12 is as you realize the world can be kind of shitty. But if you have a dad like yourself, that isn't trying to be the perfect dad, but you're trying to be a dad that when I fail, it's not really a failure because I show up and I reconnect with you, right? It's like, I know what happened and I'm going to come talk to you. Like you said earlier, like go to your room. And then 20 minutes later, you're like, eh, let's go figure out how to make this more about us connecting than me just being pissed because you're eight and I'm an adult that doesn't want to deal with the shit at the moment. I mean, we all are there, but being in tune with that and oh, dude, I just got the best compliment from my daughter yesterday. She said, one of the things she likes about me is that I don't go to bed without reconciling. So I mean, dude, there's times where like some shit happens between me and a kid and I'm laying in bed going, oh, And I'll get up and I'll go say, hey, Violet, I'm super sorry that I said this to you earlier in this way. I just, whatever, I was upset about whatever and it wasn't your problem. So it was just a great compliment, right? And I'm hearing that from you. It's not about, did I not mess up? It's about what did I do when I did mess up? And listen, what you just said, first of all, is a massive compliment from your child, right? When they see your parenting and they see you for who you're trying to be, but Mm -hmm, also... mm -hmm. What you just said is something that I do and I think is lacking in a lot of parents, especially dads, especially on the tougher side, let's call it, I don't know to call it the end of the spectrum, is your ability to see yourself when you fail and to apologize for it and to show, I go to my son all the time and I'm like, man, I should not have spoken to you like that. I am really sorry. I'm tired. I'm grumpy. And to his credit, he'll often say, yeah, but I was kind of being bratty. I'm like, has nothing to do with it. I still shouldn't react that way to you. We all have off moments, but on this one, this one's on me. Yeah, dude, huge. I mean, you're teaching them so much in that because I do think you're right that sometimes the dad will just lay there and think, so I think about laying in bed at night and you're like, well, my dad didn't come apologize or you know what? They'll just have to figure Instead of just owning your stuff, just lay there and justify why you don't need to go apologize to your kid and you're doing more damage than if you were to just go own it. Like they'll respect you more. The irony is so much of what men think is strength is weakness. Your unwillingness to show emotion. I'm going to look weak. No, you're not. No, you're not. Your unwillingness to show it is a weakness because your insecurity hiding it. Your unwillingness to be wrong. Your unwillingness to apologize to a child. None of that. To me, that is all strength. That vulnerability is strength. Like that is what it is. Now, once again, I I always tell him, I said, do your best not to cry when you get hurt. Mm. Cry as much as you want when you feel emotional. Mm. You don't need to cry because you fell on the ground. That's toughness. Crying because something's sad or something's happy, that is also toughness. Oof. Oof. That's good. Makes you a man. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I'm going to talk to my son about that. Frank, man, this has been so great. Thank you for showing up and and putting your stuff out there, you know, to show that side of you of connecting with your son. My last question to you is a legacy question. And I want you to think, say, 30 years from now, 30 years from now, you're looking into your son's home. What is it that you see being played out in his home? And it puts a huge smile on your face going, I showed up. I showed up and he is the man he is because of how I poured into his life. You know, that is a fantastic question and one I've never been asked before, but I do think about it. I just hope that if I were a fly on the wall in his house, 
in 30 years. And I hope he's looking at his son or daughter. If he says to them, I just want to be the dad to you that my dad was to me, mm. to me, that would be that would be everything. That would mean I did the job right and that he felt strongly enough about the way I had behaved toward him and the way I treated him and the way I raised him to want to do that same thing. It's easy to say when you're eight, but if he says it when he's 38, I'll, I'll know I did something right. Yes. Oh, Frank, I love what you said. And just a simple word that you said just now is about how you treated him. And I don't think we use that word enough to think, because that's like our sons and daughters experience, but how do your children feel like you're treating them? And so as Frank said that, I want us dads to think about that. Like, how am I treating my kid? If their friend were to ask them, hey, how does your dad treat you? What would their answer be? And if you have to justify anything that you're going to say to that answer, then I really want you to rethink how it is you're treating them. And is there a different way that you want to show up? Is there a way that you want them to answer that question? And based on how you want them to answer that question determines how you show up. Frank, any last thoughts before we wrap this up? If there's anything I could say, and probably anyone that's listening to a dad podcast may already be doing this. And if you are, you're our people. Ned and I want you as part of our community, of course. But if you're not, or if you know people that aren't, and maybe you want to try to encourage them, just try to let people know that there is nothing more important than being a parent. Everything you do and everything you say and every moment that you are alive, you are changing and evolving the lives of another person or people if you have multiple children. Yeah, and that's huge. Aware of that. And don't underestimate the weight of that. And it is a huge responsibility but it is a huge privilege. And being a parent, that's your time to be a hero. You can be a hero every single day. You can have a lame job. You can have a lame relationship. You could have no friends. But if you have a child, you have an opportunity to be the greatest human being in that child's life. Mm. Mm. And if you're taking advantage of that opportunity, you are not living your own life to the ultimate of your ability. Oh. Dude, well said. Nothing else needs to be said. Frank, thank you because I know that you are authentically living that way. And I know that men are going to walk away from this inspired to continue and to lean into doing the same. So I appreciate you, bro. Until next time. Thank you, sir. Man, what an incredible conversation. I just love meeting dads who are showing up every day engaged in not only being a great dad today, but being a man that is growth minded and continuing to become great. And in Frank's words, so that he could inspire and be a model to his kid, dads, we have to be engaged in our own growth if we want our children to grow. And I really love how we dug into purpose, that your greatest purpose is being a father and to think about, yes, your experience as a dad, but what about your kids? What experience are you giving them? And that's not stuff. That's life. We're talking about engaging in life with humans that are half of you. You brought them into the world. You made them. Ah, oh, so good. Dads, we must know who we are. As you hear Frank and I talk, and as you're listening to this, you clearly care about fatherhood. And I think we all would agree that the world would look and feel different if more men knew who they were. We need leaders. And this starts in the home. And that's why I launched Adventure of Fatherhood. 
You can check out adventureoffatherhood.com. It started with a book, with a children's book, this idea of helping a dad see who he is, creating opportunity to welcome a new dad into fatherhood by ordering it for him as a gift, and then reading it to your kid and connecting with your child. So you can check out adventureoffatherhood.com for any of those reasons. And also we're launching some courses right now. Introduction to fatherhood. If you're a new dad, if you're a dad who's trying to figure out what it means to be a dad, we have a Discover Fatherhood course. So that's all launching right now. And I'm so excited because as we can lean into leading in our homes and having dads with an identity of fatherhood, what it means to be a father, we're going to create more families that stay together and that are connected for generations to come. I want to thank all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned. Shout together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time. <laughs>